0: Yeah, so today we're going to talk about First Peter chapter 2 verses 9 through 12. Uh, this is the... Everything up until now has been what I would consider to be the introduction. And this is the the transition into the meat or the, the, the core application of the book. He's talked a lot about different themes that he's going to come back to over and over again. First uh, Peter 2, 9 through 12 is the real... Uh, thesis of the book, and he's going to expand upon this as he goes after this text. But this is the sort of the core of the book, in my opinion, is nine through First uh, Peter two nine through twelve. So uh, let's read the first part of that. In oops, that's not right. Let's just read verse 9 first. First uh, Peter two nine. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his into his marvelous light. Uh, now the but you are, remember this is coming right off the heels in chapter two verse eight. Uh, or chapter two, verse seven. The honor is for you who believe, but to those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they do—they disobey the word. Right? That was his his statement about those who reject Jesus. But you. The you there, who's the you? Us, the Christians, the elect exiles, those who are, are are conducting ourselves with fear throughout the time of our exile. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession. Now, these verses, these words, are not accidental. These, the choice of these words, is not accidental. It really would have resonated with especially a Jewish audience. Uh, we can read passages like Exodus 19:5 and 6, Exodus 19:5. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you shall speak to the people of Israel. Uh, this, uh, this Exodus 19 passage, very similar language, right? If you, you can just go through it, he says in 1 Peter, you are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for my own, his own possession. In Exodus 19, he uses almost the exact same, right? My treasured possession, you shall be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Uh, so when he's using this phrasing in First Peter, this is not accidental. This is to call to mind, and especially in the minds of the Jewish readers, that God did not cast out the Israelites, God did not just be done, he was not just done with the Israelites, but rather he was including more people into the same kind of covenant relationship that he already had with Israel, right? This special, uh, significant relationship. He was going to include more people in that. The Gentiles were also included, but they were still, uh, and the, the words that he chooses here, a race. Well, that used to be Israel, right? Now it's the race just anybody of any race, but it's it's God's people. A royal priesthood. Again, well it used to be that it was just the Levites who were priests, but now of course everybody we know is an, a, everyone who's a Christian is a is a priest. A holy nation. And and that word again, well it's not Israel. Israel's not a physical nation. Now it's something that transcends physicality, something that transcends just mundane things. It's a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Again. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but you, you see that what he's trying to do here is he calls back to several ideas in the Old Testament. Again, trying to reinforce the idea, you God has not just discarded the Israelites— but he still wants to have that close relationship, but now more people get to be in that relationship. Uh, we could re- we're could we going to keep reading in 1 Peter 2.10. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Uh, here I think he switches to talking primarily to the Gentile audience, right? Where he, the, the first verse very much clearly refers and, and speaks on a primal level to the Jews. Here, once you were not a people, Probably talking to, I think, well, maybe the Gentiles, maybe the Jews who had been scattered, who did not any longer feel like a part of uh, the people of God. But especially, I think, this speaks to the Gentiles who did not, they, they didn't have any relationship with God. They weren't in that chosen special thing. The Israelites had been previously, right? Right. Uh, Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Now you also belong. And as he's bringing these two groups together, right? Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That applies to everybody. That applies to to everybody who is in the group. We were separated from God, lost, alienated from God. Now we have received mercy. And and there's a point, right? What's the point? Which we sort of glossed over in verse 9. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you. That's the point, right? It's not without purpose that God has called this people to himself. The point, the purpose, is to proclaim his excellencies right? This is why we are this chosen race, royal priesthood, holy nation. That's the function of it. We are chosen to proclaim his excellencies. We are a royal priesthood, and our service is the proclaiming of his excellencies. A holy nation, the nation that is defined by people who proclaim his excellencies, people for his own possession. So it's, of course, going to be him that we proclaim the excellencies of. All of these go back to that purpose, right? That one thing that we're supposed to be doing. Once you are not a people, but now you are, God's people. And again, this is the core of the letter, right? You feel like you don't belong, but you do belong in this awesome, super special, transcendental thing. And when I say the word transcendental, that's a very significant word. Why am I saying that? Because it is something that transcends the things that he says in this verse. It transcends race. It transcends nationality. It transcends kingdoms. It transcends uh, the old priesthood. It transcends the clay the, the, the clergy layman thing that and that they didn't use those words, but you know, the, the idea that there are holy people and then not right re- there's regular people. It transcends that. This thing that God has called us into being transcends all of these various things that divide us as people. So, yeah, maybe you don't belong in the world. Maybe you feel like you don't belong where you are at work or in your society or or in your neighborhood or whatever. You belong to something that's much better than that. We keep reading. Two, eleven, and 12, the so what of it, then? Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Now, We've said this before. The book, I think, primarily written, as is, is you go back to the beginning, the elect exiles of the dispersion, that di- the diaspora. Again, uh, primarily, not primarily, but that word generally evokes the idea of Israelite, the, the Israelites who had been dispersed. But, uh, and so as he, we get to chapter 2, verse uh, 12, he does kind of use Gentile, not in the sense of non-Jew, but this word "gentile," the 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 nations, right, is somehow how sometimes how it's translated, uh, a tribe, a foreign tribe, uh, uh, the foreign people, right? The word "ethnos" here, uh, just a particular ethnicity, is where we we get the word ethnicity here. Uh, but it's he's not talking about non-Jews. He's talking about non-Christians. And I think we understand that as we apply this to our lives, we apply this text to us. Keep your conduct among those who are not in the chosen race. I think that's the the contrast that he's really making here. Uh, The chosen race, those who believe in Jesus, and the foreign race the gentiles those who do not believe in Jesus it used to be that it was jew versus non-jew but of course we know that that's not the case anymore uh, peter is is drawing a comparison between the race of god's people and again that that not not genetic right it's not a genetic thing but it is a a matter of the heart which is what he said previously in verse chapter 2 verse 7 the honor is for you who believe but for those who do not believe then this This has become a stone of stumbling. So this is not a genetic nationality. It is a a matter of the heart, a heart nationality. Do you belong with God's people or not? And so what is he saying here in verse 11 and 12? Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. Again, not that you've been exiled. and, And they had sort of been exiled from Israel. That was sort of an interesting point about this. But again, I don't think that's his primary thrust in this. I urge you as sojourners and exiles on earth to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. And again, he makes that clear, right? Abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. It's not a matter of the body. It's a matter of the the eternal part of you. Keep your conduct then among those who do not belong to God. Now, again, he's doing a double meaning here. It's kind of an interesting thing that he's doing because he is talking primarily to Jews. And so there's this contrast of the Jews and the Gentiles. But in, of course, the deeper spiritual sense, right? There's the the believers and the non-believers. Keep your and so what does he say to do in the midst of the Gentiles? Keep your conduct honorable. So that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds. Now we looked at this text a lot. Like a lot, a lot, when we were going through our glory to God series, so I don't want to harp on it too much. But this is the 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 application out of which the rest of the book is going to flow. What he's going to talk about in the next section, right? Uh, so, chapter two, verse thirteen: Be subject to human institutions, subject to your masters. Uh, verse three, one: Likewise, wives. Uh, likewise, husbands, 3, 7. Uh, and then verse uh, 3, verse 8, have unity of mind, right? Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. These are all things that are going to apply. He talks in chapter 3 about uh, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good. And then uh, chapter 4, verse 1, since you are Christ suffered, therefore, in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. All of that... Uh, Chapter 4, verse 12, do not be surprised at the fiery trial that comes upon you. All of these things are an outpouring of this particular central idea. You are chosen, you are holy, you are special. You still live amidst unbelievers. Keep your conduct among them honorable. Do not live in such a way that people do not see your, your holiness. People need to see what you do And and that should be a cause for glorifying God because of who you are. You are different. You are separate. You are uh, not part of them. That's a very important distinction. It should not be that you don't belong, so you just go and do whatever everybody else is doing because you want to belong. That's the opposite of what he's saying here, right? You don't belong with them. You belong with God. So, two things. Abstain from the passions of the flesh and have honorable conduct in the midst of these unbelievers. That's how we're going to, in what, verse 9? That's how we're going to proclaim the excellencies of him who called you. That's how we do that. We do that by abstaining from the passions of the flesh and keeping our conduct among the Gentiles honorable. That's, that's how we accomplish that goal. The goal, the very goal for which he called us to be this chosen race, royal priesthood, and holy nation. Um, let me make sure there's no other. Oh, that's it. Uh, so this week, well, I guess we're almost out of this week. Today, well, well, we'll do this again tomorrow morning. But as we are going about our lives, think about how we're interacting with non-believers, those who are lost, when they see what you do, would that be a cause for them to glorify God? Or would that be a cause for them to think you're just like them? You, you have no, there's no difference between you and them. And, and this is why I think my fear in a lot of our modern Christian ethos is that there's not much difference between how the Christian lives and how the world lives. And we've lost that distinction. We're not distinct and separate and different. So why would they proclaim his excellencies? Why would they glorify God? Why would they have any desire to do that? Because they see that we just live just like them. We need to be different than the world, right? Uh, Let's end in a prayer. God, I'm thankful for your call. I'm thankful that we can all be a part of this nation, this priesthood, this race. I'm thankful that we get to be in this group with Christians all over the world, not just here, but I think about Christians who are going about their day today, who are proclaiming your excellencies in India and, and China and in and Russia and Africa and wherever people are, they're proclaiming your excellencies. We thank you for The grace that has allowed us to be in this group. Give us the strength this week to be different from the world. Give us the wisdom to know what to do that is honorable. Give us the understanding and the insight into how we can be effectively reaching the lost. And give us the strength to endure even when we are persecuted or outcast. Give us strength as we try to uh, get through this horrible situation. Be with those who are sick, and those who are caring for the sick, and give us the strength to get through this together. In Jesus' name, amen.